Amen. We're the Lord. Thank you, Gary Pato, for reading so well this morning and guiding us, God's Word. Music, wonderful. Thank you. Dave, thank you for that song. It's beautiful. Inspired me. I hope it inspired you. I just Hang on to your hats and glasses, folks, because I'm inspired this morning uh, through our, our worship together, our prayers, our receiving new members. I'm excited. You know, last Sunday was Easter Sunday, and we had two services. We had an outdoor service. Kids were singing. Lots of people outside. Then we had an indoor service. Lots of people inside. We were, this place was shaky churches, and I want to tell you, I could sense God's presence here in and through your church family. Thank you. I appreciated that. I thought that was cool. He could recognize God in this place on Easter Sunday. Good job, everybody. All right, that's good. <laughs> we had such an amazing time celebration. That was great. You know, all hazard to guess, it's not always easy to recognize God in our midst. Think of it this way. You know, through the pandemic, we wore masks, right? In many situations, in public situations, we wore masks. Supermarket, the dental office, the doctor's office, everywhere. We were wearing a mask. And we got used to it. We saw people, and we just saw half of their face. And maybe at school, teachers, you know, never really saw their, the image of the, the lower image of the students uh, because the students were new for the two-year period. Anyway, you, you know what I'm talking about. Now that a lot of the mask mandates are gone, we're not having to wear a mask that much, we're now all of a sudden seeing people like we've never seen them before. I was at the, I'm at the supermarket, and I is this person new? They're not. They've been there this whole time. But now I can see them, and they, the image that I had in my mind was totally off. They look beautiful, wonderful creations of God. And it was awesome. And so it, it, you, you have the same experience. Am I, am I the only one having this issue? No. We all have, right? We have filled in what we thought they looked like, what we imagined. Sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. You know, there were two followers of Jesus on Easter that did just that, and they nearly missed Easter. They They couldn't recognize Easter in front of them, walking alongside them. Luke records the story. I put it, uh, a copy of the scripture in your bulletin. If you're here, uh, also will be on, on the screen. You can read along. Also on the back, there's a place where you can add some notes if you'd like later. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger? In Jerusalem, who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, well, what things? And they replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. 
and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the term, tomb early this morning, and they did not find his body there. They came back and told us what they had, had indeed seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to him, them, Oh, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and, and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself and all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then he vanished. Then they recognized him. Their eyes were opened, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered there. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened to, on the road and how he had made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lots of things to learn about this wonderful story of hope and faith, a journey of faith. You know, the Emmaus Road story is often used in the Christian world as a metaphor to help us imagine our journey of faith and our walking along with Christ. There are countless devotional books and, and retreats and seminars, all built around this idea of the Emmaus Road journey, Christian faith journey, much is much like described here in the story. It's interesting, most of the resurrection appearances that are account, recorded in the gospel accounts, they're brief. Like Mary, she hears her name, and then she recognizes Jesus right away. And then she runs off and tells everybody else. Thomas, he's standing in the room, and, and he's the one who says, I'm not going to believe until I see Jesus. Well, he gets an opportunity to see Jesus, sees his hands and his, his side, Jesus says, you know, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who believe who have not seen. Very quick, brief, the brief encounters, words of forgiveness like Peter along the beach recognizes Jesus. Not here. It's very a contrast. 
Luke is an exception. The scene opens with two disciples. They're deeply troubled. They're walking along, filled with sorrow, believing their leader is dead and gone. Jesus comes up alongside. They don't recognize him. Jesus says, what you talking about? And they recount everything. The two walk alongside Jesus for several miles at least. They welcome him into the house. They host him for dinner. They still don't know who he is. It's not until the very end of the meal, the end of the evening, that he breaks bread, and then they recognize Jesus. There are two questions that I think Luke wants the church to consider from this passage. Two questions. Actually, it's four. It goes like this. There's a why and a how and a why and a how. Two whys and two hows. This is where maybe that's why I put the thing, the notes thing. Now you can, you know, write why, how, why, how. Okay, gotcha. First question, first why. Why didn't they recognize Jesus? Before I go there, this picture that you see right here, it's a very important picture to me because um, my neighbor painted that, and it's hanging in the basilica down in San Juan Capistrano. And it's images of, it's awesome. Some of, I've told you this story before, the images are his family. It's awesome. You can go down there and you can take a look at it. It's hanging there. It's beautiful. Why didn't they recognize Jesus? That's the first why. Why can't they discern Jesus is with them on this Emmaus road? Well, Luke tells us they're filled with sorrow. They're filled with sorrow. How long did these disciples follow Jesus? We're not sure. Maybe they were around when Mary and Martha had that party for their brother Lazarus. Maybe they were there walking along everyone else on Palm Sunday, handing out the palm branches. Some believe that this could be a husband and wife. Because in the Gospel of John, it says that Cleopas' wife, Mary, was at the foot of the cross. She's there with Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene. They are eyewitnesses. She's an eyewitness of Jesus breathing his last. Hope lost simply filled their hearts. She probably told Cleopas, I saw the whole thing. They're filled with sorrow. They can't see Jesus. Second is that they're not expecting it. They're not expecting to see Jesus. Not expecting to see the living Jesus walking alongside them. They had imagined a dead Jesus buried and buried for good. Death is real and it's final. We know that. They knew that without a doubt in their own experiences. And if indeed this was Cleopas' wife, his husband and wife walking along this road, she's an eyewitness. Traumatic, filled with a sense of deep despair. Why couldn't they? Filled with sorrow. Second, they weren't expecting to see the living Jesus. But then the story changes, right? How? How do they recognize Jesus? What happens? Well, a couple things happen. I think it was progression. First is that when they're walking alongside Jesus, they're telling their whole story. They're explaining what they saw, what they learned, what, what distressed them. 
And it's fascinating how Jesus doesn't interrupt them. He walks alongside them. Maybe it was that whole seven miles. And he doesn't interrupt them. He just listens. Okay, let me know. I want to hear, why are you filled with distress? He honors them by listening to them. The second thing that happens is how they recognize Jesus is that Jesus takes time to lead them through the scriptures. He, he teaches them the word. He interprets the word to them and describes how the word was speaking about him. If you want to find out exactly what Jesus was saying, all you have to do is turn to Acts chapter 7. Stephen is preaching, and he does the exact same thing. Actually, he starts further back than Jesus does. He starts with Abraham. But you can follow all along, and it's exactly the same as what Jesus is explaining to these two that are walking alongside the road. They were taught and encouraged through the story of God, beginning with Moses and the prophets. And they recognize Jesus, how they're able to recognize Jesus is that in the end, they participate in worship, don't they? Jesus is there with the bread, and he breaks the bread just like communion. And he offers, that's when their eyes are opened. How do they recognize Jesus? Well, they bore their story. They were taught and encouraged through God's word, and they participated in worship. All right, the second why. Here it is. Why don't we always recognize Jesus in our midst? Why don't we find God more in the midst of our daily lives? Well, maybe we're filled with sorrow. Indeed, there are many things that we are filled with sorrow for, the losses that we have incurred in our lives, the things, the hopes, the dreams, maybe the loss, maybe the loss of a job, loss of a loved one. Those are real things. And they're difficult, and grief is hard. And yet, as a congregation, as a church family, we have systems in place to encourage one another in the midst of our sorrow. I've been encouraged by you. When I lost my mom and my dad, you came alongside with cards and notes and prayers and love and encouragement, and so I wasn't stuck in my sorrow and my grief. I was encouraged by this congregation. I was talking with a group of friends the other day, and we were talking about this passage of Scripture. And we were talking about why sometimes it's difficult to see God in our midst and, and recognize Christ in our daily lives. And we talked about sorrow, but then we, we said, well, what if you could fill in other things, can't you? It's not just sorrow. Maybe there's other things in our lives that, that keep us from seeing Christ. Maybe we don't recognize God and the, the demands that we face in our lives that absorb us. The things that we were talking about, maybe that block our perception. Things like anger or jealousy or greed, even unforgiveness. You know, one of the first things Jesus teaches his disciples after he raises from the, is risen from the dead, in the Gospel of John, he talks about the Holy Spirit, then right away he talks about forgiveness. you got to forgive. You gotta for, I want to remind you to forgive one another and help others in forgiveness. So important. Sometimes unforgiveness can block us from seeing God in our midst. Likewise, 
often we're not able to see God because we're not expecting God to show up. When we confess Christ as our Lord and Savior, we indeed are confessing and believing in a risen Lord and the power of a risen Lord in our lives, our everyday lives. Christ is alive with the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we're not expecting a risen Lord, we're not going to be able to recognize Him in our life. Maybe we fail to recognize the power of Easter in our lives. Easter animates who we are as a people. We will overlook God even at earth, when he's at work in our lives, if we're not expecting it. We have to live with expectation. So, second, how? How do we recognize Christ in our midst? Well, just like these who are walking along the side of the road, we're called to tell our story. We're called to share with God and bear our burdens, what distresses us, where our sorrows are, and he listens and he hears, and he wants to know the whole story. That's part of the process of recognizing Christ in our everyday. And sometimes it means slowing down and sharing with God. And sometimes it's sharing with others. These are my burdens. These are the things I need prayer for. These are the areas that I feel hopeless. It can't happen in a hurry, though. We have to slow down. Second way that we, the how we learn to recognize Christ in our lives is through His Word. Right now, as we allow God's Word to speak into our lives, it's mysterious, it's a miracle, and yet God speaks deep into our souls right now, together. Sometimes it's when we discuss it, too. You know, we have a whole assortment of life groups, small groups, Bible studies that you can be a part of, and you gather together, and you talk about God's Word together, and you pray together, and it changes. We're able to recognize God in our midst, in our lives. Through His Word, and of course, through worship. We gather together and sing together and pray together, and we take the sacraments together. The sacraments are God's word enacted, and it's a tangible way that, we, that God expresses his love and his presence among us as we break bread, as we baptize. Those are real. That's how we recognize God in our lives, and regular participation in worship. Practice paying attention to God's presence so that we don't overlook God in our daily lives. You know, the 16th century Christian writer, St. Ignatius, he offered a five-step model on how to recognize God in our midst. And he suggests in your evening prayers, as you lay your head down to fall asleep after a, a long, hard-fought day, do these five things, he suggests. And it will help you recognize God in your midst. He says, first, you start with gratitude. What are you thankful for? We know that. The Apostle Paul, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with what? Thanksgiving. Make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Start with gratitude. 
What are you thankful for? And then review the day. Where did God show up in your life? Maybe it was a moment where you were able to have some compassion. Maybe it was a moment that you held back your anger. Maybe it was a moment where you saw some grace or you saw some beauty of God's creation. Review that. Help you recognize God's presence in your life. Look for signs of God's presence. Third, review what you're sorry for. The things that maybe, the mistakes you made, the words you shared, the thoughts you had. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. That's the fourth thing. And seek reconciliation. Maybe you have to say, okay, tomorrow I've got to talk to this person and say I'm sorry for what I said. Seek healing and forgiveness. And fifth, ask for God's grace for the day to come. I guarantee you will sleep like a baby. Better than a baby, because a baby tosses and turns every five minutes. Reflect on God's love and grace in your life. This takes work. It takes remembering. Maybe take a habit, developing a habit. Let me ask you, is there anything more important than sensing God's presence in your life? Raise your hand. Tell me. There's nothing more important than living in the presence of Christ, the power of Christ's resurrection in our daily lives, every step we take, every breath we take, Christ is present with us. We breathe in and we breathe out. God is with us. That's how we recognize God in our lives. Dear friends, faithful followers of Jesus, we are Easter people, and that is my prayer for you this week that you recognize and you grow in your ability. And my prayer for our congregation is that we grow in our ability to recognize Christ in everything we do. Amen.